Father's house, our prayer is that you will be blessed and strengthened by the power of Jesus Christ. We would like to thank you for joining us today as we study God's Word. I feel like I have a word from the Lord this morning, which I'm supposed to have, I guess, right? And I'm going to read off that back there. Is that all right? Because I printed my notes out this morning, and they're really small. All right. Let's stand for the reading work. Can we do that, if you don't mind? If you're there, say amen. I'm going to read 9 through 9. We're going to be skipping and jumping all over this chapter. Um, this is a really powerful chapter. This is Jesus here. Uh, before he goes to the Father. And this whole chapter is devoted to this prayer. Okay, let's pick it up in verse 9. Jesus says, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now, I'm no longer in the world. I'm going back to the Father. But these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father. Keep them, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. Now, let me ask, well, let's pray. How many will pray for me today? Would you do that, please? I, I, I really do desire your prayers. I, I need the Lord to help me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Please, Father, just speak to our hearts. God, I, I, I give you, I just give you everything, God. I, here I am. Lord, I'm just a man. Uh, God, I have limitations. I have weaknesses. And God, I just pray you'd use me to speak your word today. And God, that you would allow me to say something that would be inspirational, that would be revelational into our lives. And Father, we ask it all in the name of Jesus. And everybody says amen. Amen. Now let me ask something. If you were at the end of the, of your life and and you had finished, you were finishing your life, and you called around your family to talk to them, then what you had to say would probably be very important, wouldn't it? It would be very important because in those times we start really realizing what is important. Unfortunately, a lot of us wait till it's too late to realize what's really important. I'm here to tell you this morning what some of you think is the biggest problem, the biggest deal in the world this morning really isn't. What you think is the most important thing in your life right now, what you think is such a big deal in the kingdom of God, if you were given six months to live, would not be a big deal at all. But unfortunately... We wait until we are at the end of our lives to start living like we're at the end of our lives. What would happen if we begin to live with eternity on our mind every day? We would realize that the, the things that get on our nerves, 
maybe shouldn't get on our nerves. The things that we pick arguments and fights about, the things we want to argue with at home, you know what, that's not a big deal because I don't want to end my life in turmoil. I don't want to end my life in, in some kind of dispute or ridicule or anything like that. You know what, forget it. Let's focus on going home to be with Jesus. And not only that, let's make sure our family's ready to go home too. Amen? I don't know about you, but if I come to the end of my life and my children are heathens, I have failed. Every sermon I preach doesn't matter. Every dollar I gave doesn't matter. Everything that I've done doesn't matter because I have failed as a father. I don't care how many sermons you preach, how much money you give, or how much time you spend doing quote-unquote ministry. How you act at home is far more important. So Jesus is at that point in his life right here. He has spent three years preparing these men to carry on the church the good news of the gospel. The kingdom of God would advance under their leadership. There was no plan B. There was no, now here guys, here's what we're going to do. You do the best you can if it doesn't work out. I'm sending Justin Hilton in. He's going to help you out. There was no plan B. This was it. And these men were flawed men. They had problems. They had anger issues. They had turmoil. Some of them were arguing about who was going to be greatest in the kingdom. I know that don't go on here, but you know what happened to the disciples. Who's going to be greatest? Who's going to be the man? Who's going to have all the control? Who's going to call the shots? Because I'm important. I'm, I'm, I'm the man. Spending their time arguing about this nonsense that didn't matter. What mattered? Well, obviously what mattered in these verses before at the end of Jesus' life was, Lord, make them one. As you and I are one. That's what was important. Now, obviously they weren't one or this prayer would would have been of, of, of no use at all. Father, make them one. I'm looking around and I know one betrayed me. And I know there's a couple that are arguing about who. And and Peter, he doesn't really like John because he thinks he's a suck up. And he's always saying something about him. And Peter's got anger issues and cut a guy's ear off with a sword. Then these are the guy, God help me. This is who I am leaving the kingdom with. Think about that for a minute. Somebody got a hair hung on a microphone. And it's freaking me out. Ah. Is that beard hair? What what is this? Brandon, ma'am. Ah. I know y'all see me up here. That ain't the Holy Ghost. Somebody got some hair on the microphone. So, now here we are at the end of the day with me this morning. Y'all love me. Y'all love the Lord. Let's have some fun this morning. Amen? Let's have some fun. Let's learn how to be one today. Let's learn how to love each other. Let's learn how to advance the kingdom of God instead of advancing our own agenda. Amen, Brother Joe. Man, you're preaching it. Let's learn how to advance God's agenda instead of our own agenda. 
So Christ in this chapter, he devoted this entire chapter to this ideal of these gentlemen becoming one or becoming a community. And that's what I'm going to talk on this morning. Are we really a community? Are we becoming a community? What does it take to be a community? Now you look at this community, you look at Pineville or Bell County, and we think a community is a place that has a government, a courthouse, or, or things like that. But that's not at all what community is. The dictionary defines community as a unified body of individuals. Notice that word, individuals. Everybody in here is a unique person. Everybody in here is an individual. God did not create another person in the history of time like you. And look at your neighbor and say, thank God. Right? God wants unity with diversity. We don't all have to see eye to eye on everything. We don't all have to agree on everything. We don't all have the same kind of personality. You don't have to like what I like. You can be wrong. You don't have to like what everybody else likes. You don't have to do what everybody else does. You are a unique person, and we need to learn to love people right where they are. With all your little quirks and all my quirks, because let me tell you something, I got them. I got them. I've got, my family is looking at me weird right now. Uh, We've all got them, right? But what our ideal of unity is, is really uniformity, which is where we get the word uniform. We think everybody should look like me, act like me, dress like me, behave like me, do everything like me. But listen, I'm going to tell you this morning, if it's not a moral heaven or hell issue, let's not worry about it. We spent so much time fighting over what goes on up here. You know all this is? We just built this up a little higher than that so you can see better. This is not the holy of holies. Look, I can touch it. I can touch it. I can get on it, and nothing happened. I didn't die. This is not where Jesus ascended to the Father. Let that sink in a minute. This is wood or metal. I don't know. I ain't going to tear it apart and look at it. That's all this is. You know, the pharmacist is on one of these. Is he a preacher? He's raised. I never understood that anyway. I'm working with pills up here. Everybody, i got to be up higher than you. We have made such a big deal out of things in church, is what I'm saying. But listen, if it's not life or death, heaven or hell, I don't have time to argue or even meet with you over it. I don't have time to waste over nonsense on what the carpet looks like or the seats look like, who sings this or who sings that or what this or that. I don't have time for that. There are people dying and going to hell. That's all right. I want to preach it anyway. I'm going to preach what God gave me anyway. Uniformity. It's where we get the word uniform. God wants unity with diversity. We need to learn to let people be people. If you'll learn to do that, it will set you free. If you'll learn that everything is not the end of the world, if you'll learn to relax and learn to love people, even though you might not agree with them, even though that they don't see things the way you do, there comes a time when you just have to say, brother or sister, I love you, and that's okay. We just see it differently. But let's work together anyway. We work with people from all different denominations. I got 
Some of my best friends are Presbyterians. They like to drink a beer every now and then. I don't believe that. I don't drink. I don't like it. But guess what? I don't spend 20 minutes arguing with them about it. That's between you and Jesus. Amen? So what? I've got some people, some friends that are holiness. And you know what? That's fine too. And I love you, but guess what? I ain't got time to get a tape measure out and argue over how long our skirt ought to be. I don't have time for that. And then I got whatever I am. And I don't know what I am. But I don't have time to argue over style and, and form and form. I just don't, guys. Now, are we really a community? We got to become a community. We got to become a unified body of individuals. Individuals, people with different, uh, people come from different backgrounds and different understandings and, and different ways of life and different thoughts. Again, if it's not black and white, heaven or hell in the Bible, hey, don't worry about it. Amen? Amen. The second thing a community is, is people with a common interest living in a particular area. A common interest. Things that we, let's find common ground. That's what we've done. What we've done at Clay County said, we're going to focus on Jesus. Whatever you preach in your church, preach it. If you're a Methodist, be the best Methodist you can be. If you're a Baptist, be a good Baptist. Whatever you're preaching in your church, you preach it. That's fine with us. But when we come together outside the walls of our church, it's Jesus. It's Jesus and Jesus only. It's not predestination or grace. It's not heaven or it's none of that stuff. It's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And if people get saved, guess what? You can choose where you want to go to church. You don't have to come to my church because there is only one church. That's His church. We don't fight over members. 90% of growth in America is what we call transfer growth. It's people leaving one church and going to another church. That's not growth. That's like taking money out of this pocket and putting it in this pocket and saying, I just got a raise. That's how the government does business, but that ain't how it works in the real life. No, you did not advance the kingdom of God at all. We got to find a common interest. We got to find something that we can get together on. We got to find a cause. Find something that we can work together on. It might be small, it might be whatever it is. Let's come together and, and work together on that one thing. The third thing is it's an interacting population of various kinds of individuals. People that don't look like you, think like you, smell like you, don't come from a family like you do. People that bring their problems into the relationship with God. Do you realize that? All of us are bringing our baggage in when we get saved. All of us came into this church. If you really think about it, the whole idea of, of church is kind of scary anyway. Here's what we've done. All these people have gotten saved. All of us messed up people. And so what did we decide to do? Let's all get together. I don't know about you. When that happened when I was growing up, something usually caught on fire or somebody got hurt. But that's what we've done. And then we wonder why sometimes we disagree. 
or when we have problems. It's because all of us in here have brought our baggage in and said, here I am, I'm part of the church. And guess what? I'm angry. You have no idea where I come from. Where do I unpack? You're just going to have to pile your stuff up in the corner. We'll get with you later. We're dealing with the farmers right now. And they require all of our attention. Because they are messed up. But you know what? Covers all of that? Love. You know why we can come together like this, all of us from all of our messed up stuff and all of our past issues and all of the things that we have where we can't even have a relationship? Love. Love covers a multitude of sins and other stuff. All of our little quirks and all those things. You see, individually, we're all broken. God requires brokenness. God only uses broken things. Why? Because he wants to make you in his image. So that's why God requires brokenness because the Bible says a broken heart and a crushed spirit works repentance. And until you can get to a place of brokenness, God cannot use your life because God wants to make you in the image of his dear son, the Bible tells us. So all of us have to come first and foremost to the cross as a broken piece of humanity. And we've got to surrender our wills to his and say, God, not my will, but your will be done. Take me just like I am and mold me into you want me to be. And guess what? For the rest of your life, God will spend that time doing just that. It's been almost 26 years for me. I'm a little better. I am a little better. It's been, I have spent my entire adult life dealing with my issues. The anger the bitterness, the father wound, the the resentment, all the stuff that we bring into this thing. But guess what? I'm not in denial about it. I'm saying, Father, here I am. Take me just like I am. Mold me. I know it's going to hurt. I know it's uncomfortable. I know i got to die to these feelings that I have. But God, I'm willing. Take me just like I am and mold me in your image. But you know, when we all come together, when you bring all these broken pieces together, we become one. We need each other. I need you, and you need me, and we need each other. Because God required, He made us to long for relationship. Nobody was meant to live alone. Have you watched that reality show, Alone? Have you seen that? They take these people and they drop them off on Nova Scotia Island all by themselves. And they have to survive there all alone. And it's all documented. And some of them, a week or two into it, start getting really weird. Weirder than normal. And now you could tell, you could see how just observing that from week in and week out, why that God said it's not good. It's not good for man to be together, to, to be for man to be alone. It's not good. I'll send him a wife. 
a helpmate, a relationship, so he don't burn anything down, so he don't kill himself, so he don't morally wound something. We were meant to be in relationship with one another. Are y'all still with me this morning? Let's look at verse 15 for a minute. Can you turn to verse 15? We're going to be jumping around a little bit. Are you there? Are you there? Say amen. Let's give the Lord a good hand clap. Can we do that? Uh, This is still the prayer that, that Jesus is praying here. We pick it up in verse 15. He says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Christ prayed that his disciples would stay in the world and interact with lost people. That's the other thing. Remember what I said, the third definition of a, of a community is an interacting population of various kinds of individuals. Jesus prayed, Lord, I, I ain't praying for you to take them out of the problem. I'm not praying for you to take them out of the persecution. Not only that, I told Peter, they're going to tie you up and lead you where you don't want to go. You're going to die. You're going to give your life for this thing. But I'm not praying for you to escape it. I'm praying that God, I would, that you be kept from the evil one, that you would interact. Christ prayed that his disciples would stay in the world and interact with the lost people of this world. How is anyone going to get saved if we never interact with them? Who are we to build a building and then command people to come? Why do people go to Walmart? Most of us in here, I bet you, you spend at least 10% of your income to Walmart. Why? Tell me, why? Why you go to Walmart? Because they got what you need. Well, why ain't people coming to church? Look around, where they at? Because we're not meeting their needs. People have a need for relationship, not church. People have a need for physical relationship, for intimate relationship, to talk, for somebody to listen, to have a cup of coffee with, to look somebody in the eyes, to actually have a relationship, not an institution. And we have institutionalized Christianity we, let me tell you something. If you expect to change the world by the two to three hours we spend here every Sunday, it's not going to happen because it hasn't happened yet. We've been doing it this way for over a hundred years. It's time that we start saying, hey, maybe we ought to do something different. I know, I know this is hard to hear. I know it is. Why? Because this challenges our way of thinking. Because when we come here two or three hours a week, we feel like we did something. I did my time. Let's just put a time clock out front and have everybody clock in and out every week. Here I am, clocking back out. I'll be spiritual again next Sunday. It's not working. Now what's wrong with that? 
Why can't we have an honest conversation? Why can't we do that? Why can't we just say, hey, this ain't working? Why can't we do that? Why can't we just say, let's all pray and start living this thing out? Verse 20. Can we go to verse 20 for a minute? Let me still pray for me this morning. I need it. I'm preaching this this morning from my heart. Because this is what I've been dealing with for a very long time. God's been dealing with me in this area. We're trying to find ways. We're trying to learn to live this thing out every day. We're trying to learn to be natural and organic about our relationship with God. We've made it so complicated. We've made it so hard. And it's not. I stopped at IHOP in Richmond the other day to go in and eat breakfast and just make some notes. And while I was sitting there, when the lady came to take my meal, she gave me my meal, I said, I'm getting ready to pray over my meal. Is there anything you'd like me to pray about? She said, will you pray for my family? I said, I sure will. I'll pray for you right now. And I prayed for her. And I left her a very, very, very nice tip. And I wrote on a receipt, I am praying for you and your family. And I wrote a scripture reference on there. Now, did she fall down and and give her heart to God? No. But I was good to her. And I showed her the love of God. And I prayed for her. And the Bible said Jesus went about doing good. When was the last time you did some good? When was the last time you just put your arm around a stranger and said, can I pray with you? Can I carry your groceries to the car? What can I do to serve you? We make it so hard. And it's not. Let's do some good. The world sees us come in here every week and they wonder, what are they doing in there? My God, what's going on in there? Because we come out of here every week and we disappear again for six days. What in the world's going on in there? What are they doing? What are, is this some kind of secret society? or What are they discussing in there? Because we're absent in their lives. God help. Notice what Jesus said would be the result. Here's the result of us coming together and being unified, finding a common interest, interacting with lost people. Here's the result. Y'all see the progression in this chapter? It's a step-by-step. He's trying to tell us something. Here's what will happen when we do this. He said, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who believe in me through their Word. Whose word? Whose? Whose word? Oh, come on. Whose word? Their word. Your word. My word. People are going to believe through your word. And more importantly, through your actions. That people may believe. When we become one, just as the Father and the Son are one, people believe. Think about that for a minute. When people see us loving each other, 
When people in Manchester seen 63 churches and pastors come together openly and publicly repent, the world says, I believe. You want to know why the world don't believe? Because we're not one. When we become one, the world looks in and says, I believe. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God because they love each other. We don't do that. They love each other not like we love each other. They are selflessly serving. What is that? I believe. I believe. You want to turn this community upside down? Love each other. Come together. Be unified. Become one as He is one. And that's all you have to do. You don't have to preach. You don't have to sing. Just come together. I want to tell you something. I've said it in this pulpit a thousand times. If preaching was going to get it done, it would have been done a long, long time ago. If singing was going to get it done, it would have got it done a long, 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 long time ago. But it's not because we're not one. The fourth definition of community is a group of people with a common characteristic or interest living together within a larger society. Common characteristic. A group linked together by a common policy. What's our common policy? That the world may believe. That the world may believe. Jesus is our common denominator. The thing that has brought us together to achieve our common policy is Jesus Christ. That's why we are here today. If you're here with any other agenda, you've got the wrong agenda. If you think God's called you to straighten everybody else out, i got news for you. He's been working on me 20-some years. And if you think you're going to fix me. <laughs> oh, man. It's hilarious, ain't it? We are not the Holy Spirit. You can't change anybody. If you're married, you know that. If you ain't learned that yet, when you do, there will be glory in your house. Peace, unspeakable. Oh, right. What do you expect when you marry somebody the exact opposite of you? My wife is the exact opposite of me. And guess what? That makes us a really good team. But guess what else that does? That means we don't agree on everything. We don't see everything the same way. But I've also learned that she can't change me and I can't change her. That's God's job. Amen? And if you think you're going to do something in a week or so that God's been doing for 26 years, you've lost your mind. It ain't happening. Amen? Amen. Let's look at verse 21 for a minute. I love you guys. The result is that people may believe. Verse 21. Now, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be one in us, one together, one in us, the Father and the Son, that the world may believe that you sent me. 
Do you see how powerful that is? You don't have to argue the existence of Jesus when you are one with your brother and sister. That the world may believe that you sent me. It's not a question they believe. When they look in and they see us, a unified body of individuals with a common interest, an interacting population of various kinds of individuals, a group linked with a common characteristic, living in this society together and having a common policy, the world looks in and they believe. Next verse. And the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. The glory of God is given to make us one. Not so you can be the man, not so you can be the woman, but that you can be one to your brothers and sisters. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. Everybody say one. And that the world may know, he's saying it again, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. I hope you guys see how incredibly powerful that is. That's powerful. That the world may believe. Let me tell you something. You want to turn the world upside down? Start loving Start coming together and start overlooking each other's quirks and faults and failures and shortcomings. Jesus does that for us. Why can't we do it for each other? The sixth definition of community is social activity. Social activity. We've got to address the social and moral issues of our communities. We sit in the church and we rail from the pulpit how horrible homosexuality is. When was the last time you hugged a homosexual? When was the last time you sat down with a lesbian and had a conversation without getting mad? We have homosexuals and lesbians that come into the coffee shop every week, all the time. We don't stand there and rail on them You know what we do? Put our arm around them. We love on them. And I say, is there anything I could be praying with you about? Can I pray for you? You know what? That meal's on me. I love you. And guess what? When they're in trouble, guess where they come? They don't come to the church. They come to the register at a coffee shop. And they don't order a drink. They order prayer. Because somebody there showed them love that nobody else had ever showed them. I cannot change them. And the truth, remember, I said Jesus is full of grace and truth. We got to have a balance of both. What am I going to do? Just sit there and beat on them with the truth. You know what? Homosexuality is going to hell. But guess what? So is liars. So is backbiters. So is fornicators. So is adulterers. So are those that, that covet. So are those that are fear. All of the, we're all going if we don't know Jesus. The same scripture that mentions homosexuality mentions all the other things that people will go to hell for. There's a progression here that I hope you picked up on in this prayer that I believe the Lord wanted us to see. 
a step-by-step process of what will happen when we really become a community. Here's the seventh thing that happens when we become a community. Joint ownership or participation. That's powerful. When we truly become one as a community, God will give us ownership and he will give us a voice. If you want a seat at the table of making important decisions in your community, you've got to be one. You've got to appear to care about your community. There is a group, and and I only know give you examples of what I know. Okay? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not bragging at all because we have taken major steps backward in our community. There was a time we had an incredible voice in our community because we came together as one and we loved each other and we preferred one another and we didn't bicker and fight and argue about silly things that people bicker and fight and argue about in church. We came together as a community and we loved each other and God gave us a seat at the table. We had a voice at what happened in our government. We had a voice at what happened in our schools. We had a voice at what happened when and how things went in our community. Listen, if you want that, if you want a voice, you want to wow the, 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 the world doesn't give us a seat at the table, it's because we are absent Monday through Saturday. Where are you when the people are dying? And where are you when, when the community is struggling with all the things they're struggling about? Where is the church? Where are we? If you want ownership and participation, then we've got to be involved. Are you guys listening to me this morning? Because I'm actually going to give you homework when I leave. You think I'm playing. You're getting homework when I get done with the sermon. And next week, we're going to have testimony service. Some of y'all got real scared, didn't you? Like, oh, God, we know he's crazy. What's he going to ask us to do? Easy stuff. Easy. Easy stuff. Eighth and final thing that happens when we become a community fellowship. The ultimate goal of community is for God's people to have fellowship with one another. You know what fellowship is? It's two fellows in the same ship. That's all it is. God sent his son to restore that fellowship between God and man. What did Jesus say? That they may be one as you and I are one and that they would be one in us. That's what fellowship, that's the ultimate goal for us to be one in Him. Guys, I'm telling you, when this happens, watch out. God is going to unleash heaven. God sent His Son to restore that fellowship between God and man and He wants us to imitate that with one another. So what makes up a community? What makes up a strong community? Strong families. So here's your homework. How many's ready? How many's ready for your homework? Come on. Three of you looked at me. The others, some of you are going to leave. Lock the doors. Lock the doors. Here's your homework. I'm serious as a heart attack. I'm going to ask you what you did next week. Yeah, I'm coming back. I probably won't preach, but I'll be here. I'm sorry. Here's your homework. This week, eat supper at least three days at the table with your family. No TV, 
No phones. You might think, well, I don't cook. Get a pizza. Put it on a real plate. We do that sometimes. And eat together. Don't do this. Do you know what this stuff's doing in our brains? Eat supper with your kids, with your family, at least three days this week. How many think you can do that? Don't. We're so focused on what everybody else is doing. How much time are we spending making sure our family is where they need to be? God is first, family is second. This church right here is third. If you don't have a strong family, we cannot have a strong church and we cannot have a strong community. If you're not spending time with your kids, if you're letting TV and video games raise your kids, don't be surprised if they grow up messed up. Don't be surprised that our community is going to hell. How many of y'all can do that this week? Here's something else I want you to do. One other thing I want you to do this week. Now, if you only did that two days this week, don't feel condemned and not come to church next Sunday. Because I'm pretty sure we got addresses on everybody. I will come to your house. Y'all think I'm playing. <laughs> you don't know me, do you? I will come to your house and be like, where was you at today? Well, I only ate supper with my family two days this week. Well, that's okay because we're, we're not legalistic. We're not living in religion. How many knows we all are a work in progress? But we beat ourselves up, don't we? We beat ourselves up. Come on. If that's two more days than you did last week, guess what? You're doing better. Amen? Here's something else. Do something for someone this week expecting nothing in return. Buy somebody's groceries. Take your neighbor a gift card and ask them if you could pray for them. Something. We was at Walmart the other day and there's this old lady behind us. And as I was walking away, the Lord said, buy our groceries. And I turned around, I took my debit card and I just swapped it. And I said, is there anything I can pray with you about? And she started weeping. She said, my husband's in a nursing home. So right there in the checkout line, I put my arm around her. And I prayed with her. How hard is that? You don't have to spend money. Do something for somebody. Do something for somebody. How many of y'all here are teachers? You got kids, do this this week. Get right down on your knee and say, hey, hey, look at me, look at me now. You're the only person in the world like you. And I want you to know I love you and I'm praying for you. And God has his hands on your back. God's got his hands on you. How long did that take? How long? God, help us. Help us. Here's what I don't want you to do this week. Don't invite anybody to church. Oh, my God, he committed heresy, sacrilege. Oh, gosh. Before you come to get me and forcibly remove me from the pulpit, I'm squirrely. You can't get a hold of me. I can avoid you for five good minutes. Be the church this week.
We love inviting people to church because that gets us off the hook. You want to come to church? No, okay. I tried. They don't want to come. They don't want it. If people wanted God, bless God, they'd come to church. (laughs) Then why are advertisers spending millions of dollars? If you wanted their products so bad, wouldn't you just go buy it? How many of y'all got little kids? Tell me TV ain't powerful. My kids coming out, Dad, I, I, I got to have this. I got to have this. What is it? He told me I had to have it. The magic box on the wall, Dad, is talking to me. I've got to have it. I can't live without it. Obviously, it works, right? It works. How well are we advertising for the king? All of us here today are working in outside sales for the king. All of us are promoting this thing that we call the kingdom of God. How well are we promoting the king of kings and the Lord of lords? How much do we look like him? How much are we loving like him? How much are we acting like him? That's your homework. Next week's testimony service. Why cut the tension in here with a knife? I'm done, by the way. We make it so hard. What did the Bible say about Jesus? Jesus went about doing good. Doing good. Healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Jesus sat down with people and ate a meal with people that religious people normally would never eat with. That's all he did. And guess what? The conversation comes up. They want to come to the music. I'm I'm done. Sometimes, as a community, our communities go through changes, upheavals. The government doesn't really reflect our values or any of those things. And we struggle with that. I just want to encourage you this morning. Maybe you look at this community of believers, this community of of the kingdom of God, and you think, you know what, if I was doing that, boy, I'd sure do that different, or this or that, or I, I just can't go with that. I just want to encourage you this morning to just try to love like Jesus would love and try to give me the same grace that you would expect me to give you and try to be as easy on me as you are on yourself. Boy, we easy on ourselves, ain't we? We are so critical of everybody else. But we are so self-righteous about ourselves. Let me tell you something this morning. Nobody in here has got it all figured out. Nobody. But if you've come to an impasse sometimes and you feel like you can't jive with the community, pray and ask God what He would want you to do. Amen? I love you this morning. One more time. Three meals with your family this week. No phones, no TV. I eat really fast. You know what our thing has been lately? Lay the fork down and try to talk. I'm, it's like a mission from God when the food is set in front of me. It's like I hit the, hit the clock and I'm like, how fast can I finish this food? 
I heard him look up. Family's gone. I don't even know. Just shoveling. Just set the fork now. Look at you, each other. It might be uncomfortable at first. If you're used to doing this, you might be like, "Man, it's weird." Do it anyway. Okay. Let me ask. Let me tell you this here too. Okay. When you approach somebody this week, you do something for them. When you ask to do something for them, the main thing I want you to do is ask them. Is there anything you would like for me to be praying about? I've only had one person in my life refuse prayer. I mean, out of total strangers in Walmart, other states. I prayed for a man in Missouri. I'd never met. Was it? No, it was Mississippi. We're on our way back from Texas. There's this old black man pushing his car. Been working there for 100 years probably. And stopped. And I said, hey, buddy. I gave him some money, and I said, I feel like the Lord wants me to pray for you. Is there anything I can pray for you about? Yeah, my knees are killing me. So I put my arm around him, and I loved on him, and I began to pray for him, and I prayed for his wife, and I left him with that. Who knows what happened? When you get to heaven one day, you get to heaven one day, you may look, and there might be a whole host of people in the distance coming up, and you might think, who is that? And here's all these people that you've prayed with and showed love to that maybe you've never seen again. And they say, man, guess what? I've been so hurt in church. I've been so wounded. I was so bitter. And that day you came and you prayed with me, God just began to soften my heart. And a few days later, somebody else came in. And they began to do the same thing you did. And they loved on me. And eventually, I realized that God loved me. And that I needed to get my heart right with God. And I just want to say thank you. You don't have to close the deal. You don't have to get somebody to kneel down and pray in the self-checkout line at Walmart. And if that happens and it's genuine, then praise the Lord. Let's go about this and get this one. If you would like to know more about Our Father's House and upcoming events, log on to ourfathershouseky.org.